get a couple nickels and you put one in. You lever up the ball and then you grab the pin. You pull it back a little and you let her roll. The rhythm of your body keeps it under control. You do the pinball boogie. Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for early September 2018. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Big Race USA Pinball. Why would I say that about poor Big Race USA Pinball? Uh, Those pro pinball games. There was Big Race USA and Time Shock. Is that the Michael Crichton novel? It might be both. Uh, These were video video game pinball video games, (laughs) as opposed to analog pinball non-video games. Uh, And I used to love them. Why would I like video game pinball? I think you need to have... In your background at some point, not maybe need to have, but it definitely helps if you have in your background at some point an exposure to and an appreciation for analog, actual, physical, touchable pinball. Uh, If you don't, I don't know, what, what is pinball like for you millennials? When you boot up a pinball video game, are you like, what? This is so arbitrary. Balls roll around and I can only hit them with flippers? That makes no sense. Uh, So maybe uh, it's just guys like me. Maybe it's a generational thing because I remember – oh, good Lord. Okay, I promise we're going to do something interesting in a minute. Today is a big day for pinball news. But first let me explain to you my background with pinball. When I was a kid growing up in Arkansas, we moved around a lot, and I remember – each apartment building we lived in, usually by the swimming pool, because that was a, a huge feature. When school's out in the summer, you just spend all your time at that swimming pool. And at one point, we lived at the, I think, the Heritage Apartments uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, the, the swimming pool was fine. It was right outside our front door. That was cool. But what I remember more about those apartments and what stood out for me was in the 7-Eleven across the street – you have to go to the edge of the apartments and, you know, don't go to the place where you drive in. Just climb over the fence, cross the street. You're at a 7-Eleven, and inside that 7-Eleven was a beautiful, colorful, marvelous, intricate machine that I came to adore. And it was a game called Joker Poker Pinball. Would it have been just Joker Poker Pinball? I guess so. Uh, and it's a, it's... It's a super early, kind of bare-bones pinball table. Uh, You go back and you look at it now, and you're like, good lord, there aren't that many lights. There aren't that many drop-down targets. There's just two bumpers. Look at all this empty space. Very little information. It's kind of a low-information pinball game, or uh, it's a simple pinball game. But that's what pinball was like early, is it didn't quite, wasn't quite based on overwhelming you with lights and sound and noises and options, earlier pinball games, I think, were kind of more focused, and they got a little busier as they went on, and they get a little crazy today. Uh, But Joker Poker was a super simple table, and it also, I didn't know the first thing about poker as a, uh, how old are you when you're in fifth, sixth grade? I guess like a 10, 11-year-old. I didn't know poker. I didn't know how it worked. Um, So the weird thing about Joker Poker, the theming of the table did absolutely nothing for me. And in fact, it was from playing the table that I learned basic things like uh, queens are better than jacks. And I guess I knew that stuff. But as far as poker as a system, I think my only early exposure to it was in Joker Poker Pinball. 
So the thing about this machine, and Lord knows I, you know, I loved being over there with my friends, and we would bring quarters, and we'd watch each other play, because you used to have to pay a quarter to do this. Uh, the actual physical pinball machines, there's something almost shrine-like about them for how there's a surface in front of you and a sort of a backboard with all this information and it's super colorful and there's lots of activity and you kind of park yourself almost reverently or obsessively, like you devote your attention to it. Anybody bumping into you or messing with you or trying to talk to you to the left or right, Get away, I'm focusing, I'm praying right now in front of my pinball shrine. It demanded your attention. There were no pause buttons in physical pinball. And furthermore, it was physically interactive in terms of jiggling the table. This whole idea of tilting the pinball table. I never, you know, as far as I'm concerned, don't move the pinball table around, which might be, that's kind of a place where your pinball skill plateaus. If you're not jiggling the table, and this goes for video game pinball too, you're probably not playing optimally. And I, you know, I, I'm afraid to jiggle the table. I don't do it. So I'll never, I'll only ever be so good at pinball. Uh, so it reminded me in a way of being at this, this, this shrine. And the thing about pinball that I have realized over the years when I look at what I appreciate about game design, pinball is a very, very simple rule set. Basically, it is gravity. The ball will roll into a drain and your turn is over. The only way you interact with it, assuming you're not, you know, assuming you're like me and you're worried about jiggling the table and tilting it, is you press flipper buttons to kick it back up there. And ideally, and I can do this ever so slightly, you aim with the flipper buttons at specific things. And that's the basic rule set of pinball. And it's common to every single pinball table. But what I think attracts me to pinball is how those simple rules are folded into a few interactions, like bumpers, like drop-down targets, like lanes. Uh, and these systems sort of interact in, in ways that you explore and trigger and eventually take advantage of. You have to suss out and learn these interactions. And... None of it is abstract because one of the very vividly attractive things about pinball is the theming. You know, Joker Poker Pinball is just poker. It didn't mean anything to me. I was just into the, the flashing lights and eventually learned, oh, those four kings are super important. Or those pair of jacks, eh, no big deal. Uh, so the theming in pinball is... I think a huge part of the equation. Uh, and I remember back then, too, there used to be a KISS pinball table, which I think was pretty popular, but I was never into KISS. Those guys just scared me. It was freakish. Why are those guys wearing that weird makeup on their face? What is this loud music? I don't like this. So I didn't like the KISS pinball table because of theming. Uh, so over the years, for me, what I appreciate about pinball is the simple rule set the way that the systems interact in different ways and you have to explore and trigger those interactions and the way that really lurid theming is slathered over it. Things lighting up and sound bites and uh, especially in this in video game pinball uh, with gimmicks about, you know, video game gimmicks where things can happen on the screen and appear and the ball can morph and figures can pop out and do things that would be unfeasible, infeasible in a physical pinball game. So that theming, those simple sets, that's what I've always responded to in pinball. And to give you a brief bit of background, which will explain why today's 
news is important. Uh, historically, there were three big pinball companies. There was uh, Gottlieb, Williams, and Bali. Bali? Bali? I always want to say Bali, but I think it's Bally. Uh, and the two of them merged in 1988. Williams acquired Bally, so it was Williams Bally, and then there was Gottlieb, and those were the two big ones. Uh, there's another uh, company called Stern, but they were Johnny's come lately. They started in 1999. Uh, so Williams Bally and Gottlieb are the two giants in terms of historical pinball. If you look at pinball nostalgically like I do, and if you recall certain specific tables, odds are it was a, a Williams Bolly or Gottlieb, ta Gottlieb table. So, uh, of course, Zen Pinball is a, a company who makes video game pinball, which is completely created from whole cloth. None of these are approximations of physical tables, and that gives them a lot of freedom. And they have done a lot of amazing stuff with licensing. Uh, there are probably about 100 of those tables, and I would say maybe 90% of them are licensed. You know, they've got some original things. They've got a Great Western table and a Hercules table, and Paranormal is a lot of fun. There's a bio, there's an undersea exploration table, there's a Mars. You know, maybe it's more than 10% are original. But at any rate, they've got tons and tons of Marvel and Star Wars, and there are, a couple, there are some Bethesda tables. They've got a bunch of, like, cartoon tables for things that I don't know, like... Uh, Archer and something about Bob's Cheeseburgers or whatever. I don't know those. Uh, but a lot of their stuff is licensed, and all of it is created from whole cloth. Meanwhile, if you're into the nostalgic tables, the old-timey ones that physically exist, uh, a company called Farsight had licensed Gottlieb and Bolly Williams tables, actual tables, and they were doing video game transliterations, you might say, of these tables. Uh, and it was called Pinball Arcade. Uh, I think they've probably also got about 100 tables, but all of their tables are actual physical tables carried forward from history, from reality. A couple of months ago, something really uh, surprising happened, and Farsight announced, well, we, no, we, we did not renew the license with Williams Bally. So, we will not be making any more of their tables. Uh, furthermore, uh, we will not be selling them anymore in about a month. They gave folks about a month's notice. Uh, now, if you bought it, you, of course, still owned it. You could play it whenever you wanted. But they just had to stop selling them, and they had to stop making them. Uh, and it wasn't clear what happened at the time. But today, we found out what happened. Uh, Williams Bally is now licensed by Zen Pinball. So we're about to talk with Mel Kirk, one of the, the main PR guys over there and a producer at Zen, uh, about this announcement and what it means and when we can expect to see some of the tables they're making. Uh, and by the way, spoiler, today, <laughs> if you're listening to this, the day it goes live. Uh, so let's go talk to Mel Kirk. <laughs> you again. You guys have some great news for folks who might not have heard this yet. Tell me briefly what's the big deal recently over there at uh, Zen? Yeah, Tom, it's good to be with you. Zen does have some very exciting news to share. Uh, we have secured the rights to the Williams Bally licenses, mm -hmm. uh, which means we are bringing the best pinball tables ever made to digital form um, in the Pinball FX3 universe. Now, when you say the rights to the license, this is probably like, uh, like what, maybe eight, nine, ten different tables? 
No, we have the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, this is like the entire thing. I mean, there's there's so many games. Some there are questions about how many actually exist. Uh but yeah, this is the, the full scope of Williams Valley. Um, well, that's why that's why I say that is there are questions like what, how many are there? Like I, I there, at least fifty, a hundred. Like how many tables do you guys now have access to, roughly? I think uh, my spreadsheet shows one hundred and eleven. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's actually more than that, and there's questions around a few of them, and there's some long lost ones, and there's some very limited production ones, and there's all sorts of stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean the full scope is in our hands. Uh, we're, the fun part is, is yeah, sorting all this out. It, right. We're we're actually uncovering all sorts of uh, goofs and hiccups in, in the licensing world and all sorts of weird things that went on when nobody thought about what what would happen 20 years from now when someone still wanted to work on this stuff. But I can imagine it's got to be like finding this just the, this huge packed to the brim toy box in the attic that you didn't know you had. Oh, it's a treasure trove. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's more fun. I mean, it's it's incredibly fun. Now, uh, so obviously this is a, a new announcement. It's just been announced today. Uh, so we're probably going to see some of these tables in what, maybe a month, two months, maybe three months, right? Uh, they're coming quick. Uh, right. <laughs> we actually have a beta open right now on Pinball FX3 on Steam. So if you actually want to get your hands on them, you can play them now, and that tells you how how you know close we are. We need a little bit of time uh, for some feedback from the community. Make sure we like, or make sure you like what we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're taking your feedback very seriously. There's some uh, some things that we know are very critical to a good pinball game in the way that classic pinball should be played. So, uh, once we check off the boxes and we know everyone's happy, then we will release the final game for everyone to purchase. And now, are all four of the first tables available on beta right now? They are. Okay. Uh, Fish Fishtails is completely unlocked. You can play all modes of the game. Um, you can play it unlimited as much as you want. Medieval Madness, Junkyard, and Getaway um, are on more of a little time-limited um, type of thing, but they're all playable. You can see what we've done, um, and yeah, they're there for you. So tell me about the thinking that went into these being the first four tables, because uh, like, a, like a, a diehard pinball guy like me, when I think of, of this license – you know, like Pinbot comes to mind. That's one of the classics. And, and I can imagine there were some tricky licensing issues here, but they've got a Star Trek table and a Terminator table. They've got a Judge Dredd table, uh, a famous Twilight Zone table. Uh, at first, how do you decide where to prioritize when you've got such an embarrassment of riches? And second, why Fishtails, Junkyard, Medieval Madness, and uh, Getaway? Yeah, uh, big question. Let me answer the first part about... Um well, fishtails. It's my personal favorite. So fishtails <laughs> is your personal favorite. Come on. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, that's not the only reason why we did it, but it is a big reason. I know these four were. Wait, actually, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Do you do you fish or something? Like, why would fishtails be a personal favorite? Yeah, it's funny. I grew up in the mountains in uh, uh-huh. Northern California, and I would, I grew up backpacking and, and camping and, and fishing, and so fishtails is actually the first machine that I laid eyes on, and. It drew me in instantly because the plunger is, uh, you know, the real. Yeah. And in the game, you know, trying to catch fish. And, of course, when you're a kid, you talk about the fish you caught always getting bigger with every story you tell. So <laughs> it just – it was the game for me. Um, it's something that I've always held dear to my heart. And um, and so I, I kind of picked that. And then there's some other people in the studio who who have been in the company a long time, who grew up on pinball, especially the guys in, in Budapest. This was like their game growing up. And everyone just kind of wanted to pick their favorite and something that meant something to them. 
And it was also helpful that these weren't didn't have additional third party licenses attached. Um, I'll be honest, we wanted to get a pack of tables out as quickly as possible in licensing. It adds extra time, overhead challenges. So um, the, the first sets of tables are not along the license side of things. But if you right. know Zen, I mean, you know we've got plenty of history and experience doing license deals. So you know uh, these other games that you mentioned that have the licensing component, that they will come. It's just this first bit. We we really would just wanted to get stuff out. We're so overly excited and kind of our part of our mission and uh, what we were tasked with was getting games um, out to people quickly. Right. Uh, my the the thing that I appreciate about fishtails is from a completely different angle than you. I didn't grow up fishing. It wasn't a part of my background. But as someone who plays a lot of RPGs and, and MMOs, uh, one of the common things you'll find in these games is uh, fishing as a side activity. And it's a total time waster. It's kind of ridiculous and pointless. But there's this weird zen element to fishing that I'm sure real fishermen appreciate, but I only virtually appreciate in the context of other games. Far Cry 5, for instance, a big popular shooter. It's got great fishing. Uh, <laughs> totally. So, so as, as a fan of video game fishing, I also am psyched about fishtails. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, how would you ex uh, describe for folks, how would you explain um, Junkyard, Medieval Madness, and uh, Getaway? Like, describe, give me a thumbnail sketch for each of these tables. Okay, a thumbnail sketch. Medieval Madness, uh, I don't know. Knights of the Round Table, but like funny. Um, it's, you got a dragon on there, you've got, uh, Trolls that are popping up their heads. It's kind of Monty Python-ish and funny. Um, Tina Fey did voice on it, so there's got you know like that humor associated with it. Um, junkyard, uh, just a mess of a table. Obviously, junk everywhere. <laughs> the rules maybe don't necessarily make sense all the time. Um, it, it's it's funny again. Um, and getaway, you know, cars, fast action, cops chasing you. Uh, it's I don't know. It's a well-rounded. Uh, plate of excitement here in, in pinball like i feel like it's a well-rounded pack that's what we're trying to with our, with all the releases that we'll do in packs we try to really make sure that there's kind of a, a different feel for everyone that it's well-rounded games uh, rules are different enough you don't get the same thing so uh, i don't know if that gives you a good overview of the the, the four when, when i look at the entire catalog of zen tables uh some of course i like more than others and some of them i may not necessarily dislike them but i'm clearly aware this is an early game from from Zen's catalog. This is when they started out. The later tables got more complex and sophisticated and a little bit better. But the thing I like about Getaway, uh, I don't have to play V12 anymore to get a, a car <laughs> pinball fix. So <laughs> I'm glad to see Getaway coming. You went out. way back there. Yeah, V12. That was original FX days. Yeah. Yeah, V12 is one and is one that I was. I kind of like. I have to play it in order to get a score. And every now and then I'll go back to it, but. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, it, what I appreciate it is mainly nostalgia. <laughs> totally, that is OG pinball effects right there. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Uh, so this brings up a new issue for you guys, I believe that, that Zen has never had to care, uh, to, to tackle before. Uh, what are your feelings about fidelity to a physical table versus updating it into the modern video game pinball world? That is a very interesting question. Um, and am I correct, by the way, that there are no Zen tables that are models of real physical tables? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, right now we don't have 
Right. There's no Zen tables that are actual physical tables, and neither have we taken one and made it digital. So this is this is breaking new ground for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it actually it went it's gone really well. Um, it's a different workflow. Uh, of course, we take a pinball machine apart uh, all the way down to its barest bones and all the pieces, and we need to model them and we need to do things uh, to them and then put it together into our workflow to make the the pinball table. Um, so yeah, it is new and. I, I think the the thing that we realized is that you know we did we changed our physics uh, for these games to make them play true to form, ah. and we changed surface material. We did uh, some things to make the ball uh, move correctly and like with trick shots and stuff like that. So, um, I'll, I'll this is the kind of feedback that I'm waiting to hear from the community with how they're responding to this because the games do play different from traditional uh, Zen games and what you guys know from us. Okay. Okay. Um, what are you when you say you take apart the tables and look at their components? Are, are you guys working from actual physical copies of Fishtails, Junkyard, Medieval Madness, and, and Getaway? Oh yeah, yeah. These, we have the real machines. You've in-house. actually torn down, broken down, like taken apart actual real machines, like of, of these. The, all, all, all the way broken down. Um, and I think today we actually put out some uh, production shots. You can see some of our team members actually working in the machines and like holding pieces and taking the machines apart. So you should see what that actually looks like. When you describe that, Mel, part of me thinks of uh, – like part of me is like, yeah, that's really cool. And of course you would have to do that. But another part of me is, is imagining – uh, a hunter having dressed and skinned his prey, <laughs> kind of how sad that looks. Like I'm sad at the idea of a of a completely broken down physical analog table that's been taken apart and examined for its like it's like an autopsy almost. <laughs> it's a complete autopsy. It's it's like down to the stud of, of if you're gonna like remodel a house or something. But don't worry, we put them all back together and they're working beautifully. That's so. what I wondered. Is you, you you can you have the know how to take them apart, but also to put them back together. We do. Good. Um, good. Right. Yeah, and this is this is done. And believe me, because some of these machines are from personal collections. Some of them are from the Budapest Pinball Museum. Some of them are stuff that Zen owns. So people still play these. You know, we're not just like taking it apart and leaving it that way. Uh, they still got to get used after we're done with them. Right. Uh, do you have a philosophy yet on on whether or not any of these tables should be adapted to the unique capabilities of video game pinball? Like, do do you have any? Any philosophy on we're never going to do anything with any of these licenses that would violate the physics of the original table? Uh, do you want to maybe play with new things on the LED display? Or uh, at this point, are you doing strict uh, 100% ports? Right now we're doing strict 100% ports. But if you ask me again in like two weeks mm-hmm. what we're doing, um, what feedback we get, uh, I might have a different answer for you. Okay, okay, sure. And uh, I'd be happy to talk about it then. Now, you, you mentioned uh, how, how tricky some of the licensing is uh, mm-hmm. uh, for these. And without necessarily getting into a case-by-case case basis, uh, can you tell us are, are some trickier than others? Like are there some that you can tell right now are going to be a huge headache going forward in terms of ironing out the issues? Yeah, absolutely. And some of the things I can share with you right now is – the way licensing works for these games is there's a there's a license that's held with a master license holder who is scientific games. So we've licensed them from them. But then a game maybe well, let's pick out a really hard a complicated one. Adam's Family is probably the toughest. Okay. Adam's Family. Wait, when you also, say complicated, licensing wise, right? Yeah, okay. licensing wise. Okay. So um, we've already we've we've done like half the work, right? We we went and got the license with scientific games. We're all covered there. But Adam's Family, um, that's 
the actual brain itself is owned by somebody else. And then you've got all the different characters on there who have their own likeness rights. And then you've got some sounds in there, which were created by people who actually own the rights to the, the songs and the sounds. So you have to go and we have to work out deals with all of those people as well and make sure they're all taken care of and they know what's going on and there's money going to their pocket uh, in order for us to actually bring the thing to market. So um, the, that's how the, the complicated side of licensing is. And I would say Adam's family is probably uh, the most difficult. And um, there's others that are that are hard, but there might be some that are easy, you know, like, I don't know. Monster Bash or Creatures in the Black Lagoon, those are owned by Universal. And hey, we have a great relationship with Universal already. So, you know, these are things that if you don't look too hard under the surface, you can say, yeah, Zen's probably going to be able to make that happen. Right. Uh, are there any of the tables that you personally, if you were to look at the catalog, you say that right now Fishtails is your favorite in terms of what you're doing. Are there any that, looking down the line, that you personally, Mel Kirk, are super psyched about maybe being included in, in Zen Pinball. I want to be the reason why Indiana Jones comes to digital. I didn't know there was an Indiana Jones table. Oh, oh baby. Ah. It's the, it is the holy grail of pinball. Um, and, you know, I think Zen is probably the, uniquely positioned to make this happen because we have this relationship already with, with Lucas and we have great some great work on Star Wars. So um, I think once we get going and everything's rolling along, I think Indiana Jones will be possible at some point. Right. Uh, can I give you my own request? Absolutely. All right, this is going to be a tough one, and you actually mentioned it already And I, when I was playing it uh, the other day, because some of these tables, uh, one of your competitors, Farsight, uh, had available, and some of these tables, if you've previously bought them, you can play the Farsight versions of them still, even though they, they can't still sell them. So I was playing their Creatures of the Black Lagoon table the other day. Uh, that table is so weird um, in that it's not about the movie. It's about the experience of going to see the movie at a drive-in theater when it was originally released. Like, it's, it's got this weird, dated charm to it. Uh, one of the things the guy says when you uh, lose the ball is, uh, stay cool, daddy-o. And nobody talks that way. Like, nobody's right. gonna... Uh, it, it's so... And, and it's got the, the hologram of the creature, like, underneath the table, which would probably look super cool in VR. Uh, I just like how weird it is and how different an approach it is to the creature from the Black Lagoon license than just being about the actual creature. And, and Mel, I think, this is a hot tip for you, because, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon came out in, what, 52 or something. This would be a big hit with the 70 and 80-year-olds in your fan base. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I did also play in it, and I'm sure this is the sort of thing you guys have to worry about. There are little MIDI tracks for Blue Moon and I Rock Around the Clock and I Want Candy. And I'm thinking, well, wow, that's probably a headache as well as when some of these games licensed songs a long time ago, and those licenses might not might have to be renewed or something. So, yeah, that must be Oh, yeah. I, I think I mentioned to you uh, earlier about how we're kind of uncovering uh, – maybe goofs or hiccups in the licensing mm -hmm. of some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't hear this from me, but there's a Frank Sinatra song in the getaway. <laughs> that, that is in, that is in the Zen version you mean, or that you guys well, had to cut. It was in the original version. Okay. In the, in the, there's 12 tracks or 14 tracks or something, but this one was kind of like hidden lost track. It's like <laughs> Frank Sinatra. We're like, that sounds like Frank Sinatra. Sure enough. It is, and, and nobody knows. Nobody can tell if that was ever like legally licensed, or was right. this just an eight-bit or sixteen-bit reproduction, or what? 
so it's just funny. It's like, you know, <laughs> um, we, we always try to do everything by the book. We do proper licensing on everything, um, right. which is, I think one of the reasons why, you know, Zen is working with these games. And so it's just like, how far do we drill down and where do we go with this? It's, right. it's just, it's always a question. Now, uh, there are obviously some folks who are f- fans of you guys' work who are more than happy to get more Star Wars tables and more uh, Disney license, like Marvel tables and stuff. What does this mean in terms of d- – does this mean – and by the way, Mel, I would be cool with this. Does this mean that for the next year or so, we're only going to get these uh, tables from Zen? For, from this license, will you guys still be doing the stuff that we know you for? Okay, so we um, over the next year, this is going to be our major priority, and you'll get mostly uh, Williams Valley tables. You're also going to get some original Zen designs, uh, unlicensed. So we hear from our, our fans, um, many of them just want Zen originals, and, and so we're, we're making more of those. And then, of course, we announced and we're launching on September 12th um, the Solo Pack. Right. So... But yeah, over the next year, you're mostly going to, uh, besides the solo pack and some Zen Originals, it's going to be a healthy dose of Williams Valley Pinball. Zen, uh, that that could not make me happier. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of the unlicensed tables with broader themes like Wild West and uh, Paranormal, the Hercules table. Uh, and I love the fact that these are not big intellectual properties uh, and that you guys are going to have to do original stuff now. I, I really like that about this announcement. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I'm really excited. The two th- there's two games in particular for Zen Originals um, that I'm really looking forward to getting out. I just I don't know. Our guys just came up with these concepts and knocked it out of the park. So we can probably talk about that. Hopefully, early next year uh, we'll be we'll be talking about that. Great. Now. Uh- uh, I have two final questions for you. Uh, I'm really big into board games, and one of the things that happens in board games is to avoid dealing with licensing issues because it's public domain. A lot of board games, they just make a board game, and then li- they they decide, we're going to make this Lovecraft-themed uh, because that's super easy. It's cheap, public domain. Anybody can do it. Why hasn't there been a Lovecraft-themed Zen pinball table? Oh. <sighs> Is that a question that you guys have gotten, or don't you? Surely that can't this, that can't be the first time you've been asked this. No, I'm sure we've been asked it before. You know, one of the things that I really like to do is um, is, is pay attention to what people are asking for from us. And Tom, you actually you have a great article. Um, you you might have been last year. I bookmarked it, and we consult this thing where you talk about what should come to FX3. So thank you for that. Um, but we try to always pay attention. So the Lovecraft thing. I want to say that I've heard this before. Um, it's not come up a ton, but we have this massive whiteboard. Every idea, I'm not joking, everything gets written up there somewhere. And I have to go. It's in Budapest. I was just there last week. I haven't looked at it in a while, though. I bet it's on there. I'll find it. I'll circle it. I'll take a picture instead. It's got to be. Okay. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then finally, uh, I had a, a, a woman I knew would characterize how her day was going on any given day by deciding what her number one Beatles song would be on that day. And it would sort of be a statement about, hey, this is how my day is going. I feel that way about Zen Pinball. So, Mel, I'm going to ask you, given today and given that you're not committed to your answer and that you can change it tomorrow, uh, what is your favorite Zen Pinball table? I'm sure I've asked you this before. I don't remember what your answer was then. So it can change. What would you pick on today, the day that you guys have announced this uh, licensing agreement? My favorite today 
has it has to be the fact that I can play fishtails wherever I want to. Um, I can, yeah, I could see that coming. So, but if it's not fishtails, right, let me yeah. So let me put it this way: your favorite that's not in beta. <laughs> uh, my favorite that's not in beta is gonna be the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, oh I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, man, I'm still totally riffing on on uh, Infinity War, and we did such a good job with Thanos and yeah. with the reality gems and the table flips upside down. I was actually playing it the other day, and yeah, right now it's still my favorite. I, that's really funny, Mel, because I don't I don't know a lot of comics, and and literally, literally seriously, a lot of what I know about comics I've learned through Zen pinball tables. So <laughs> when Infinity War came out. I actually knew a little bit about who Thanos was and and about the 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 gems and the gauntlet. I was like, yeah, I know that stuff. I could feel kind of like comic book nerds might feel watching some of these movies. In that you guys laid a little groundwork for me to appreciate the Infinity Wars movie. That was very cool. And yeah, that table. Going back to that table, it it feels great, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Okay, and one more, just because it's about to come out, but Calrissian Chronicles is really, really damn good on uh, on this in the solo pack. It's, so tell us real quick, so what are the three in the solo pack? What are you guys okay, doing with uh, the solo, solo pack? Okay, solo pack, obviously. So there's there's solo, and then there's Calrissian Chronicles, which is it's actually based more on the comic books uh, uh, from the recent ones from Marvel Comics. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then there's Battle from Mimban, which is like a little more out there in Star Wars uh, land or Star Wars history for the like, real hardcore fans. So I feel like all three of these are different and they all kind of all add up to the solo experience. But Calrissian, I feel like we have kind of like, we have the edge on the game for Calrissian that's never been done before. I think this is the most featured he's ever been. Uh, it's really, really cool. The, the guys did a great job just capturing like his personality and the lines from the film and, and the lines from the comics. It's just, it's really cool. Okay, I have a really dumb question. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I I saw Solo once. I don't. I don't think I know who Calrissian is. Lando. Oh, Calrissian. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> if, you'd, if you'd said his first name, by the way, I'm not really formal with Lando. I know him by his first name. Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. I I thought for a moment you were saying whatever the name of Amelia Clark's character was. Uh, but Calrissian, Lando Calrissian Chronicles, of course, right. That sounds yeah. great. Okay, and then another dumb question. I don't, I don't know what that battle is. Is it something from the movie? It's funny because they only they go to the planet for a short amount of time. Oh right, right. The war scene. The war scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. So it's not right. a huge focus, but you know, when we're talking about we've done a lot of. St- there's going to be 19 Star Wars tables at, after this pack comes out, right? Which is okay. We, I get it. There's a lot, but. <laughs> The guys at Lucas are really cognizant of like, hey, let's take something that no one's done yet and let's do that. And so uh, we have this whole space, this whole like area that no, that there's been no game content for, you know, and it's like we get to explore it. We get to make it. So that's what we did. Well, and frankly, that that battle scene, like when you say battle, I think of something like Hoth. But that battle scene was very much like a World War One trench battle oh, totally. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see cool things being done with that. All right. So, uh, that's well, my long. That's my long answer for what are my 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 one favorite table. I give you three. Yeah, well, I'm putting you down for Infinity Gauntlet. So okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, remember, you can change your answer tomorrow if you like. So okay. Uh, well, Mel, congratulations. This is great news for you guys. I think it's great news for those of us who like Zen and like theme, seeing you guys branch out into new and different styles of tables. Uh, so for folks listening, you can currently try in beta. Fishtails, Junkyard. Uh, so actually, the Getaway one has a really long, isn't it like a High Speed Getaway 2? or what's the high, fu- speed, high Speed Getaway 2 is right. the official name. Yep. Yeah, because uh, it's a sequel to another table they did. Uh, and and uh, Medieval Madness. So those are available now uh, in beta. And uh, so 
out of curiosity, they don't have to be purchased. Like if you own Pinball FX3, you can play these in beta. Is that the situation? Yeah, you don't okay. have to own anything, actually. You don't have to pay a dime to get access to these. Just download FX3. It's a free download. Um, you'll get a free Zen table, which is Sorcerer's Lair. And then um, in there, you'll, have to, you'll just go to the beta. You'll open the game in a beta branch. There's actually instructions on the Game Hub page right now for you. So you just open the game in beta branch, and those tables will all be there uh, for you. Great news. Oh, and then finally, by the way, because this is super important to me, Mel, uh, have you had any issues in terms of plugging these tables into the thing that's really dragged me back into Pinball FX, and that's that uh, kind of hub, front-end, quest, achievement, RPG, leveling-up system? Uh, are these four tables plugged into that yet, and have there been any issues plugging these tables into that framework? There's been no issue. Uh, those tables are totally plugged in. So the entire feature set for FX3 is available for those tables. Um, one thing I'll let you all know, because I know there's some purists that are listening here who don't want score pop-ups and they don't want stuff happening in their game. That stuff can be turned on and off. So you're not forced to play with you know score chases or notifications or whatever. It can just be played pure pinball, nothing going on. Um, and also we're introducing a, a new tournament mode, a uh, rule set based on IFPA rules. So... Uh, we're we're going to have more pure competition based on these tables, based on what the International Flipper Pinball Association has established. So we're we're really trying to give the, the pure experience here. Um, but, yeah, the five-minute challenge, the one-ball challenge, multiplayer matchup, user-generated tournaments, all that stuff, it's all there with these tables. There's no uh, – we haven't had any problem with that. Great, great. All right, so uh, folks listening, I encourage you to check those out. Mel, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And, again, congratulations. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.